What is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Mitch Davis Show. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. It is August 26th, and you know what that means. We are officially one month away from the kickoff of the 2020 SEC football season. Got a very special edition of the podcast today. I will be joined by my good friend and founder of Go Big Blue Country, Sean Smith. He will be joining the podcast today to talk all things Kentucky football and Kentucky athletics. Very fun uh, podcast interview, as usual, with Sean Smith. I've also, one month away from college football season, or the SEC college football season, the excitement is in the air. So you know what that means. You need to head over to S.Y. Wilson, our sponsors on the show. Go get all your SEC apparel, your Memphis apparel, and your everything you could possibly think of there at S.Y. Wilson on the historic Arlington, Tennessee Depot Square. I'm your host, Mitch Davis. You can follow me on Twitter, MitchDavis underscore eight. Like the Facebook page at The Mitch Davis Show. Also on TikTok and Instagram at The Mitch Davis Show. It's by simply just typing in those names. You can find the podcast and the articles and everything else you could possibly dream of from The Mitch Davis Show. I'm your host, Mitch Davis, but without further ado... I want to welcome Sean Smith to the podcast, and I hope you guys really enjoy this podcast interview with the founder of Go Big Blue Country, Sean Smith. Joined now by the man, the myth, the legend of Kentucky athletic media coverage, founder of Go Big Blue Country, and a good friend of mine, Sean Smith. How are you doing, man? Doing well, Mitch. How are you? I'm doing well, man. We're trying trying to survive down here in Memphis. How's uh how's everything in the bluegrass state? It, it's pretty good. Uh, just trying to, like you said, survive. I think that's been the motto since the middle of March is just to get through this best you can, especially in this business, and just try to get to college football season. I think that's what the hope that we've all been holding out for. I told somebody when this all started in March, I was fine with no NCAA tournament because I understood the situation. I mean, it was basically impossible. When the NBA and all those professional sports shut down, you knew college athletics was going to have to do the same. So when we get to midsummer, I'm thinking, okay, football season, that's that's the, the silver lining we're looking for. That's where we're trying to get to. And then you just see all the stuff the last few weeks around college football, and you start seeing some cancellations and some things, and you're thinking, man, have we even made any progress with this virus? And just uh, fingers crossed, Mitch. I got to ask you before we get into a lot of football talk and that kind of thing, what all is going on with Go Big Blue Country? I know you launched a new daily podcast. Talk about that and talk about what else you got going on on the website. Yeah, Kentucky Daily. It's a new daily pod that I host with Derek Terry of the Cat's Paws, so a, a really solid beat writer on the UK beat. Me and him have sort of become best friends for the last couple of years, and we always got on the phone and talked about UK and some things like that. And we finally decided, why are we wasting all this information on a phone line between me and you? Let's put it out there and let fans sort of uh, get a perspective of two guys that are inside the program on a daily, on a daily basis. So we started Kentucky daily. We almost took over the locked on Kentucky podcast. That was what the initial thing was going to be. But then we looked at some things and there was, there was some uncertainty there with that, with they haven't started the locked on Kentucky podcast yet after Kyle and Dan left. So we just decided to go on our own for the, I guess the stability of having to make decisions on your own, some flexibility with not having to have episodes up at the same time all the time. And like Saturday, you know, Kentucky got a basketball commitment. 
I texted Eric. I said, hey, you want to record for 15 minutes? And we did. If, if we were somewhere else, I don't think we could do that. So that's what we're trying to do is sort of give BBN something daily that they can listen to that's short, to the point, and covers everything there is about UK basketball, football, if something big happens in baseball. And we try to mix in guests here and there. And uh, like this week, we've got Corey Evans' arrivals coming on. we got Terry Wilson coming on Wednesday. So it's it's a good mixture of what you – and you just get the daily news, UK, in 30 minutes. I mean, I just thought it was a great idea. So far, it's been a big success. Can't wait till we actually have some sports, though, because somebody told me, like, Sean, what are you doing? You just launched a five-day podcast during a global pandemic. Listen, Mitch, I've done some crazy things the last three years, and it's all worked out. So I have a feeling that this is going to work out, too. Let's talk a little bit about uh, UK football. Uh, this season, the expectations are high. It is possibly going to be one of the best seasons that Kentucky football has had on paper. Uh, talk about just the overall attitude around the program right now. Very positive, and I'll say hopeful. Hopeful is the big one, just because I think that the staff feels like that they have their deepest, most talented roster that Kentucky's had in its history. Uh, Mitch, we, we can look at those special Kentucky teams over the years. You and I will remember the 2007 Kentucky team that, that was special, that all those guys, especially on the offensive side, you have guys in the NFL still playing today. But the thing about that team, Mitch, they weren't deep. They were really talented in one, two. But when you got to three, four, it was a significant dropout, drop off. That's not like that now at Kentucky. You're, you're a guy that's in the four deep. I mean, he is just as talented as the guy that's probably starting or the guy that's the backup there. And that's what we've seen when there's been an injury the last few years who stepped in. They've not had a huge drop-off. That I think that hopeful is the word, is the mood right now, that let's get this thing played. Because I feel like, Mitch, that they have a team that they think can get to Atlanta. And they're built for a season like this. I had Cole Kubik on the show last week, and he told me if there's one program that's built for a season like 2020, it's Kentucky. And look at all the adversity that they've dealt with the last three years. I mean, the Drew Barker quarterback injury a few years ago, Terry Wilson's injury last year, they, uh, the Josh Pascal, John Schlarman with the, you know, the cancer diagnosis. This is a program that they, they come together, they find ways to get through things, and I think you're seeing it again now. Then they just hope they can get to September 26th and start this thing and see what happens. You mentioned Terry Wilson a little bit. Talk about his progress from his uh, season-ending injury last year. I know he's possibly been the most positive guy I've ever seen in a Kentucky football uniform. I mean, this guy and his mom, too, on Twitter, they are both ready to rock and roll. I was about to tell you that. It starts at home yeah. with him. It, it starts with his mom. And it's, it's impossible to be disappointed or feel let down when you speak to his mom. If you have any conversations with her, it will uplift you, and you'll see exactly why Terry is the kid that he is and the young man that he is. Because I, I talked to her on a Zoom call for an hour a couple of weeks ago. I actually have a story dropping on him this week, so you're the first to know of this. So if anybody hears that, <laughs> I did a story with her when he first got to Kentucky, and it was the it was is Kentucky what you've been hoping for? And it was like the story was was really it was great. I had solid quotes. Well, I thought going into senior year, how about we reflect on these last two years? So that's what this story is going to be is just sort of how it's all come together. And supposedly this is his last ride, but now the NCAA has released that you can get an extra year. So who knows what happens with Terry? We might get two years to Terry Wilson, but 
Mitch, the thing that stands out to me the most is he he never he never publicly got down on himself. There never was that moment to where he even wavered, thinking that he couldn't come back. And now, Stoops said Saturday that he's he when he tucked it to run, he looked like he had that same bolt of speed that he had a year ago, and it's encouraging. And I, I have to think too, the thing that helps him the most is that offensive line. They're not going to let him take many hits. If if he takes hits, it's because he leaves the pocket. And that's that's what I think is going to happen this year. Is he's going to be his jersey is going to be pretty clean if we get to play. Talking about that offensive line a little bit, I've seen a lot of things from the SEC Network guys saying Kentucky's offensive line is one of the best in the conference. Uh, talk about that. How important the 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 return of Drake Jackson is, and and this is also a a class that has a lot of upperclassmen. Center of attention there with Drake. I mean, you're you're talking the center of that offensive line, a four-year starter now. Well, he started halfway through his freshman year, redshirt freshman year. I think it was against Eastern Michigan five games in. He never gave that role back. And I think that's when you saw the offensive line sort of find its identity is when he took over. Just because you've you've got that position locked in. He's a voice on the field. The best interview in UK athletics right now. When you talk to Drake, I had him on a Zoom call in June, and that's another story that I got <laughs> dropping is with him and Landon Young. So, Mitch, you're sort of getting the the stories that are coming out this week. Man, I, I appreciate uh, that. I talked to him and Landon, I think it was the last day of May, and I've been sitting on a story because I, I didn't want to put it out, and then literally the same day we get bad news about college football because it's a story that you will want to read. Uh, it's about – it goes all the way back to 2013. So the first year of the Mark Stoops era. So it's, it's like 4,000 words. So I've been sitting on it, waiting to send it out. And Drake, Drake is the Drake is such a significant piece to what's going on at Kentucky football. And this is what the story sort of is about is how he did him and Landon Young did something in that time that wasn't cool for other Kentucky kids to do. And it was go to Kentucky. You know, you had your top in-state kids were going to Alabama. They were going to Ohio State. They were going to to other programs. Nebraska recently with Wondell Robinson. They did something, Mitch, before there was success on the field. And I think if that decision hadn't have been made, we wouldn't be where we are now. So it's more along the lines of their legacy that they're going to leave at Kentucky here after this season that when they committed, honestly, it looked like Mark Stoops might not even be here by the time they got to be seniors. But now – the program is established and it looks like if Stoops ever leaves, it's going to be his decision. So that's what that story is about. And that's what I'd tell you about Drake is just, he's a, he's a vital piece to this turnaround. Landon Young too. I mean, you have to think Landon Young committed to Kentucky football before Mark Stoops ever coached a game at Kentucky. He was a five star. I mean, you get what I'm saying. It's just, it was not, it wasn't common for what they did. Before we get into a little bit of recruiting, talk about the replacement of Lynn Bowden Jr., who, let, let's be honest, Lynn Bowden is possibly the best college, best Kentucky football player in my lifetime, um, right there up there with Randall Cobb and Tim Couch, who when I was a little baby, Tim Couch was throwing footballs. I, you remember him a lot better than I do, and probably my dad does too, but uh, in my lifetime, Lynn Bowden is arguably the best Kentucky football player to come through the program. Talk about – replacing him and, and how Mark Stoops and Vince Morrow and the guys are really doing that. You don't replace a guy like Lynn Bowden. You just, uh, you just put more talent, I think, at other positions, and then you, you'll have guys step up, and it's going to be a collective effort. I mean, obviously, Mitch, you're, you're talking about a guy that was involved on 
100% of Kentucky's offensive snaps from week five through week 13 last season. Uh, you can't replace that. There's no way that you can. I mean, it was instant yards when he got the ball. So I think now what you'll see is what they did last year. They've been good in the Wildcat. We've seen that with guys like Benny Snell, JoJo Kemp over the years, Lynn Bowden last year. I think what Eddie Grand found last year, and this is why I hope that Joey Gatewood gets his waiver, is I think that he's found another offensive package to go along with what they ran with Terry Wilson prior to that. So I think you're going to see two offenses this year if Joey Gatewood's eligible. If he's not, I guess we might see it with another guy. But you're talking about if you put a guy like Joey Gatewood back there, Mitch, uh, Florida with Chris Leak and Tim Tebow those years with <clears throat> excuse me with Urban Meyer, where you would see the short yardage situations, that's where Tebow made his living that freshman year was when it was third and two, fourth and one, come in, do some things. I think that's what you're going to see result from Lynn Bowden last year. They had so much success with that that I could see them keeping that package if they can find a guy that can do some things like that. And maybe it's one of those running backs. Maybe it's a Kavastier Smoke or someone like that that has some speed. A Michael Drennan that's a freshman wide receiver that supposedly has some of Lynn Bowden's skill set. I think that you'll see that offense stick around. They had so much success with it, and why not? I mean, they ran it for, what, eight straight games? So I think that that offense will still be a part of this, but now you can mix in some passing with it, and that's when I think that that could really expand, well, obviously the scouting report from opposing teams. So I think it's something that you'll see stick around. But as far as replacing Lynn Bowden, you're not going to, but they've got some guys there, Mitch, that I think were probably destined for some breakthrough years last year at the receiver position if they could have just thrown the football. Yeah. Lee Allen Daly, uh, Josh Ali, we've seen in the bowl game, I think he's going to have a big year. Isaiah Epps is finally coming back off injury. So they have some pieces there. It's just going to have to be, do they get the ball to them in space? Missing Joey Gatewood, this is a guy that I wanted to talk about, especially in the recruiting standpoint of this. Talk about, one, do you think he's going to get his waiver? And, two, talk about the recruitment of Joey Gatewood and these other guys that Vince Morrow is so heavily involved in. We saw Vince Morrow try to get lured away, and he said, no, I'm staying in Kentucky. I don't know on the waiver. Just because there a week ago I thought everybody was getting one until Cade Mays didn't get his at Tennessee. Cade's situation, I think, is a little different. I know that involved, I think, that wasn't there like a lawsuit or something towards Georgia was, that involved? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just uh, it's a weird situation. But then you see, you see guys coming that's just transferring from other places and getting eligible in two months. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'd like to think that, yes, during COVID-19, why would you even deny a waiver? Yeah. I mean, honestly. I mean, he transferred before COVID. But still, it, he fits into the the mold and the, to the bill of it's during a pandemic. Just give him eligibility, especially if you're going to grant a free year anyhow. Like what? If, if he doesn't, he's getting three years. I mean, obviously, he'd redshirt and still plays. So I, I think for Kentucky, they want him eligible. But the ideal scenario, I think, would be Terry Wilson's the guy this year. Joey Gatewood's the guy for two years, and then it's Bo Allen for two. I think that's the the plan in place that the Kentucky staff has. Now, if you add a year to each of that, I mean, it just it gives you more quarterback depth. But you mentioned Vince Merrow. Uh, in-state recruiting, Mitch, is uh, yeah. it's definitely gone to another level, and it should be going to another level here pretty soon. I, I think there's a couple of guys that are that are leaning towards making an announcement, especially during this time. So I could see uh, some more positive news coming from Mitch or from Vince Merrow 
uh, being the, the lead guy in state and just a you've had him on your show. I mean, just yeah. one of the best interviews, one of the best talkers and a guy that if he walks into your living room, Mitch, you probably don't even know what the product is he's selling you, but you've probably bought it. Yeah. The dude, the dude is by far one of the coolest guys you could ever talk to meet. And you're right. I mean, you go in, he goes in the living room and says, Hey, come play at Kentucky. 99% of the time, these kids are going to say, okay, Hey, let's go to UK. Flipping over to defense before we get in the schedule talk and we wrap it up with the schedule and that kind of thing. Talk about this defense. They got Quentin Bohannon back, a kid from uh, kid from Memphis. Josh Pascal's back. DeAndre Square's back. Uh, Brandon Eccles, and then you've also got Jamar Watson as well. Talk about this defense and what uh, how good they're going to be this year. That's the side of the ball that I think they're most excited about. Yeah, is that defense? You're, you've got guys flying around the ball. I mean, look what they did last year. Replaced all those guys that were UK legends. I mean, you're talking Josh Allen. Mike Edwards in there. I mean, you, Derek Beatty, all those guys that had built this program from the ground up and you had to replace them. And you honestly, you didn't miss a beat. They struggled there a little bit out of the gate, but when it got late season, that secondary was one of the best in college football. I mean, you, did, you didn't really test them. I think they were ranked fourth nationally in the secondary and you got all those guys coming back. I mean, you, there's so much talent. Uh, you, will, you will miss Chris Oates, obviously, this season. Uh, with him, with him, you know, battling uh, his health condition that we don't have official word on and what it is, but they will miss him. But there's depth there. There's depth across the board. And I think that, like, it takes back to what I said early in the show. When you look back to 2007, those years where Kentucky had their best teams, they, they didn't have the depth, though, to win some of these games in the SEC. They were able to win some, but they, when you get in those third and fourth quarter games that are tight, you've got to rely on your three deep. Yeah. And that's what Kentucky's able to do now, especially on the defensive side. I think we knew that at some point, once it started rolling in that direction, that Kentucky would probably be a top 20 elite defense. And Mitch, I think that we're getting to the point now that if they keep recruiting and developing, the we know they can develop, and now we're seeing them recruit at a higher level, this could be a top 10 national defense in year in and year out in college football. And if you get that, you've built the pedigree to win. I completely agree with you. One more question about the depth chart, and then we'll get into the schedule a little bit. Special teams. Uh, field goal kicking last year, they had their mistakes. Uh, but this year, there seems to be some kind of optimism. You also got the best punter in college football returning back to UK uh, next year, Max Duffy. Talk a little bit about the special teams unit. Max Duffy. It, uh, <laughs> it starts there. You saw it the other day. He actually said that Stoops labeled him the special teams coordinator, but it doesn't come with pay. So, of course it does. I mean, look at look at the guy. I mean, he has – I think he's made one bad punt in his entire time at UK, and that was at Georgia last year in, the, in an absolute monsoon that I don't remember him making a bad decision. I mean, his punts, whether he's – I'd like to see him take off and run more, honestly, because yeah. he probably had five or six first downs last year if he would have done it. But And that's how much trust they have in him is Stoops leaves that up to him. That's not even a call. It's literally if you feel like you can get it, you go get it, but you better get it. <laughs> so I think it starts with him. The kicker spot, I'm a little interested in seeing who gets it. Is it Matt Ruffalo? Is it Chance Poor? I, I don't know. Uh, there was some inconsistency there last year. I still think that Chance Poor has a lot of potential. He has a huge leg, only a sophomore. It's it's all between the ears with him, though. I'm telling you it is. And that's the thing that he can't let happen. He can't. He has to block it out. 
And I think that that would be the guy. I know that's the guy they want it to be just because you'd have him for three years and he can kick it from 60 yards if he gets enough leg on it. Uh, but, Mitch, you know that out of all the positions on the football field, that's the one that could go either way. If you, yeah. if you miss a kick, especially like the one he missed in the Florida game last year, I don't think that – I mean, he had a lot on his plate. You missed the game – you missed the kick that could have won the game against Florida. Yeah. Of course you're going to hear it. And then him being a true – a redshirt freshman, I mean, it's hard. Yeah. So, hopefully he gets another shot this year. And I think that he could be the guy if he can get some confidence going. Yeah. Two more questions I have for you. Let's talk about the schedule a little bit. Kentucky opens up with Auburn uh, on the road. Then they've got games against, uh, of course, Georgia, Florida. They also have got a stretch where they play Bama, Florida, and then South Carolina. Talk about the schedule and what you expect out of Kentucky uh, with this schedule. It was fair. It was a very fair schedule. I know you got Alabama, Florida back-to-back, but the way – the way it sets up to that point, I don't think it could have set up any better. I think the first three games, they're non-division opponents, and there are three games, Mitch, that I think Kentucky could sweep. I really think they could win all three of those. The one at Auburn, obviously, is the toughest one out of the gate, but it's a chance to prove that you belong in a weird season right out of the gate. You go to Auburn and you win, I guarantee you eyes will be on you the rest of the way. Uh, the Mississippi schools, the second week, I think that there's a chance there that if Kentucky overlooks that they could lose one of those, possibly both. Uh, Lane Kiffin, you, he's going to make Ole Miss competitive. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. It's going to be entertaining. And then we know that Leach at Mississippi State's definitely going to be entertaining, whether it's on the football field or in interviews, you're going to get something from him. <laughs> so those are two games that I would look at, too. It's very important, those first three, that Kentucky starts out either 2-1 and one or 3-0. and oh. If you start out 1-2, and two, you could be digging a hole, especially going to Tennessee. So I think it's vital that first month, how do they start from September 26th to mid-October? If they get off to a hot start, 3-1, and one, then I think that they could be in this thing in, in the end. You just – you can't be, you know, under 500 midway through the season or then – I mean, who, who knows what a successful season is. To me, a really good season is six and four. Yeah. A great season, seven and three, special season eight and two, of course. But if you yeah. go seven and three this year, I think you've had a great season. But if you win six, that's what I consider a success. Five and five is not a failure because yeah. it would be on par with what they've done with four and four in the SEC. But – with a team like this that people thought had a chance to win 9-10, given a normal schedule, I think 6-4 and four should be the target goal. If you get to that, then I think you feel pretty good about where they are. How do you think they stack up against a team like Tennessee? This is a team that Kentucky has on the road, um, and it's kind of been the measuring stick a little bit recently for the success of the program because every time we have a good team, it seems like we lose, and then every time we have a bad team, we, you know, Kentucky beats Tennessee. So – how do they measure up against Tennessee this season? <laughs> it's better because it's early. I'll yeah. give you that. I like that that game is the fourth game of the season because, Mitch, uh, over history, the last 12 to 15 years shows us that Tennessee struggles out of the gate. I think they've had one year where they've started hot, and that was the year that uh, – I think that was the year they started like 5 or 6-0 and and they beat George on the Hail Mary. But then they flipped it and they struggled down the stretch. So Tennessee's a program that they struggle out of the gate. And I don't know, it, does that change this year? I don't know. It's the NCC schedule. There's, you're going to have to be ready week one. There's no cupcake game or, you know, a small major or something like that coming to town to help you. But obviously we saw last year that didn't help them because they lost too early. But 
I like that that game is where it, where it is. I just feel like that that's a game early in the season. You should still be relatively healthy, and you can get to that point. And Tennessee always figures things out in November, and that's when Kentucky always plays them and Tennessee's playing their best football. I think that this could be an advantage for Kentucky this year, getting them sooner. Uh, why not make 2020 a little bit weirder than it already has been and go win and kneeling somewhere where they haven't won since, I think, 1984 or 85. So – I could see that coming out of this season, Mitch. And if they get that win, if they can go five and five, six and four, and you have that win, something that they haven't done, I think that it's it makes the season even more successful. I think that's the ones the fan the fans want to see. Yeah. They they want to see that win. I mean, everybody. If you could say there's one team that they need to start consistently beating, there's two of them. It's them and Florida. Yeah. If they can do that, I think Georgia's still there. Georgia obviously still has more talent than Kentucky. They, you could argue they have more talent than Alabama when you look at recruiting rankings and five stars and fours. So I think Tennessee and Tennessee would be the first step toward consistency. You've got to start beating those top three in the East if you want to win the division. Same on the topic of Tennessee, and this is the last question about the schedule, and we got a five-year expectation – uh, for the program. So on the topic of Tennessee, who is – you're from Eastern Kentucky. Who is Kentucky's biggest rival? Is it Tennessee or is it Louisville? Because I know a lot of people, like myself, it is Tennessee because we live in the state, Tennessee, Rocky Top. It's just they're, – they're, they're just as bad as Louisville. But I know from Eastern Kentucky it's split and the rest of the state it's mostly Louisville. It, it's Tennessee. It's yeah. Tennessee. If you come to this part of Kentucky, it's Tennessee every single time. Um, and I think that that's just the way the geographical landscape plays it out. If you live in Lexington, you're more likely to come in contact with a Louisville fan. If you live in Eastern Kentucky on a border County, like I do in bell County borders, uh, Claiborne County, Tennessee, you're coming in contact with Tennessee fans. When you go to the grocery store, when you go to the bank, when you go to Taco Bell, it doesn't matter where you go. There's a Tennessee fan that's coming in contact and, or if you go to school, you go with Tennessee fans. Yeah. You don't have other fans. Like, it's Tennessee. You'll have an occasional Alabama football fan in this part. But other than that, I didn't know a Louisville fan growing up. I never met yeah. a Louisville fan until I started covering the UK beat because there's no Louisville fans down here. You had some that followed basketball when Patino was there. Yeah. But it's interesting to think that when you – if you could poll the entire state, I would like to see who would get, be the biggest rival because I think those counties that border Tennessee, everyone would vote Tennessee. Now that I'm in it, though, I think that from a nasty perspective of things, Louisville's the, the biggest rivalry when, yeah. when it comes to the players. But when you poll the fans, losing to Tennessee hurts a lot for a yeah. certain area of this state. And then there's those Tennessee fans, Mitch, that or those Kentucky fans that live in Tennessee. Yeah, I know a lot of Kentucky fans that live across the border in Tennessee. I mean, I'm talking 30 minutes from Knoxville. So yeah. there's that's why <laughs> I think that that's what makes it interesting. And I don't know if there's a lot of what other programs out there in the sport are sort of like that where yeah. geographics sort of plays into it. I don't know. like, But it's pretty cool to have yeah. both of them. Now I consider Louisville a rivalry. Here's the thing. This is a funny story. I think I was in high school and you're not going to believe this. I actually had a Louisville decal on my car because I followed. I liked, I, <laughs> yes, we got it. We got to keep that hush though. Uh, I actually, I, I followed it because I never considered it a rivalry. Yeah. I mean, you heard it was always on the schedule, but honestly, for most of my childhood and stuff, they didn't even, they didn't really play. Yeah. a ton in football until the 90s yeah. 
So it was like, it was something new. I didn't know the hate that was behind it, but now I'm like, man, if I could go back to 16, 17 year old Sean and just scrape the little decal off, I probably would. Cause uh, I didn't know all this. Yeah. See for me personally, and I've, and I've been very vocal about this. Uh, I'd rather beat Tennessee a million times than beat Louisville just one. It just – because you live in the state. Like you said, when you live in a border county, you live in the state of Tennessee, those Tennessee fans are ruthless. I mean, they – you know, they beat you Amen. in basketball and they are – you know, they're ruthless. And they beat you in football and you have to hear about it for 365 days. And, uh, you know, Louisville I, – I mean, I know some Louisville fans, met some Louisville fans, been around them. But they're, to me, they're just not as bad because they know their place. They know that, hey, we, you know, we've won two or three national championships, depending on who you ask. We've, you know, decent at football. But Tennessee, man, they, they have that one good year in football in my lifetime. Oh, I was yeah. a year and a half years old. And you still see in 1998 decals all over cars in this state. Last thing I'm going to ask you, five years from now or over the next five years, where do you see this Kentucky football program go? Is Mark Stoops a part of it? I'm going to go Mark Stoops as a part. I don't think he's leaving. I really, I truly, I truly think he's a Kentuckian for life now. If, if he's a part of it, Mitch, I think that this thing becomes a consistent and, – and I think this is where it needs to be set. For our life, it was get to six wins, right? Yeah. I think that was the, the goal, get to yeah. six. I think now what you're seeing is the floor will be eight. And if the floor is eight, you get to ten more often. And I think that that's what you want to be. Uh, We've talked about them a lot here, honestly. Tennessee, if Tennessee fans win nine games, they're upset because they're still living on 98. But a perfect program for Kentucky, I think, would be what Tennessee was during the Fulmer years from like 2001 to 2007. Yeah. Where they would win the East here twice in an eight-year span. They'd play in Atlanta. That doesn't mean they always won the SEC championship, but they got there. Win nine games maybe win 10 with the bowl. That is the perfect Kentucky football program is if you can say they're going to win eight to nine, but every fourth year, third year, they might win the division. That's where I think that's the hope that Kentucky fans get to is that if you play a season of 10 years, you can go five and five versus Florida, you know, six and four versus Tennessee, three and seven, four and six versus Georgia. Just make these things competitive with those teams. Continue hammering Missouri, South Carolina and these programs that you've sort of controlled for the last half decade. Yeah. And I think that's the perfect program, Mitch, because, I mean, we have to face it, Kentucky's never going to be Alabama. It's just that's just not how this works. But they could, they could be really good and have a lot of success and win the SEC and get to Atlanta and win really good bowl games. That's fine. Who knows what happens? Maybe once every four or five years you're in the top eight of the college football playoff rankings and you're, you're in the conversation. Had they won – the Tennessee game a few years ago, they probably would have been playing in one of the main bowl games. I mean, they they were right there. And I think that they've shown they can get to that point. And who knows? I, I'm never going to doubt Mark Stoops. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he can't win a national championship just because look at what he's done with all the stuff that's happened the last seven years, were the first things that's come. Now, if you give them a quarterback yeah. that they can rely on, that they can do some things that they want to do with, that's what we haven't been able to see. We've never seen them have a quarterback that they wanted first. Yeah. And if they – because everything's always falling off. They've, they, they've either had an injury or they've gone somewhere else. You give them a healthy Terry Wilson or let's say here two years, you give them a healthy Joey Gatewood, a guy that they wanted. Yeah. And let's see what they do with an elite quarterback. 
He is Sean Smith. Tell them where they can find you on social media. I know you're everywhere now. I am. It's uh, <laughs> I'm G, I'm at GBB Country on Twitter. You can follow the Facebook page, Go Big Blue Country. Uh, those are the two that I use the most. And you can access my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com. Uh, always putting out UK content daily. I mean, I feel like that I, I don't think I ever take a day off, Mitch. <laughs> Man, I, I really do appreciate this. On the record, I, I know a lot of Kentucky fans across, not only across the state of Kentucky, but also uh, around the world and around the country really appreciate your work and, you know, your honesty and always your, uh, your willingness to participate with the fans. You know, that, uh, that's what separates you from a lot of the bigger guys is, you know, you're willing to talk to the everyday Joe fan, you know, from Pikeville, Kentucky. You're, you know, you're willing to talk to the farmer from West Central Kentucky. You know, you're willing to talk to all these guys on Twitter and Facebook about UK athletics. And, and I really do, on the record, really do appreciate what you do for the Big Blue Nation. They're uh, they're the only reason I have this job, Mitch. Uh, those people read my work. That's the only reason I get to do this job that I've always called a dream job. And yeah, I'm I'm never going to be bigger than the common fan. That's what I was before this, and at heart, that's what I still am. You have been listening to the Mitch Davis Show. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. A very special thank you to our guest today, Sean Smith founder of Go Big Blue Country, for coming on the podcast today to discuss all things Kentucky football and Kentucky athletics related. A very special thank you to our sponsors at Eswell Wilson on the historic Arlington, Tennessee Depot Square. Be sure you stop by and get all your collegiate apparel needs, and they've also got kayaks and fishing and stuff and all this other great assortment of great items there at S.Y. Wilson, the historic Arlington. We are one, we are actually four days away by the time this podcast drops. We are four days away from the start of the 2020 college football season with Central Arkansas and Austin P kicking off Saturday night at 8 p.m. We're going to have exclusive coverage of that starting on Friday with Mr. Brent Beard uh, out of Jacksonville, Florida, who covers college football, one of the best in the business, and I'm really looking forward to having him on the podcast. A lot of the Memphis folks have had Heard or seen him on Sports 56 with uh, Brett Norsworthy and Dave Velocian. So I'm really looking forward to that interview. And we're also going to have a countdown to kickoff show and a postgame show on Saturday as well. We've also got a very fun interview with the CBU, Christian Brothers University Athletics Director, that will be dropping on Thursday afternoon as well. You have been listening to The Mitch Davis Show. I've been your host, Mitch Davis. Like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to the podcast. Apple Music, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, everywhere you like to listen to your podcast. Be sure you like and subscribe and leave a good review as well on social media by simply typing in The Mitch Davis Show on Instagram, TikTok, and on Facebook. Also on Twitter, Mitch Davis underscore eight. You won't want to be missing any of the college football content that will be coming out over the next couple weeks as Memphis and Arkansas State are set to kick off on September 5th and the SEC is set to open their season on September 26th. College football is in the air, folks. I hope you all have a great afternoon and have enjoyed listening to The Mitch Davis Show as I was joined by a very special friend of mine, Mr. Sean Smith.